Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about retirement readiness, strategies to help you grow and preserve your wealth so that you get the most from life with the money you do have. Are you on track? John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Erica, a few weeks ago, we talked about shifting our perspective on money kind of away from this fear and greed dynamic. And we, and we really started to talk more about stewardship, which I'm, I'm excited to talk more about today. And in our last episode, for those that are listening now that haven't heard that, I really encourage you to actually stop this and go back and listen to this from earlier in the year, because we talked about some implications in stewardship. So I want to piggyback off of that conversation and talk about, you know, just what the implications are for acknowledging that God owns it all. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, the exciting part is that it's just a, just a small shift that can actually have such a significant impact on how we go about spending and saving and giving. Yeah, it really can. Because, you know, once you start to realize that you're a steward and this isn't yours and you're, you're not holding on so tightly gripped, you know, then that can really have a big impact. But here's the thing that I want to get to, Erica, because I want to acknowledge just, I, I can see this in my own life. And I can also see it in the lives of my clients too. There's a huge challenge to actually taking this first step of stewardship because it seems sort of scary and we don't know what it means and it involves a little bit of an unknown. I think the exciting part is that when we start to actually make this change, we can start living more open-handed and that frees us up to not be so stressed out all the time. And, Mm. And that's the exciting part. But I realized just with my own journey, Erica, and, and even watching my clients over the past decade, sometimes there can be a huge challenge to just starting on this mm-hmm. stewardship process or, or, or thinking of ourselves as stewards of God's money. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, Erica, what do you think is one of the issues that people face when they kind of start this process of thinking like a steward? I think the biggest issue is that a lot of people don't know where to get started because they actually don't know where they're coming from. You know, they don't know what's been from the beginning, what's been at the root of it. Almost this idea of like peeling back the onion. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So actually, so my big thing for today that I want to drive home is that stewardship starts with knowing your story. Stewardship Mm -hmm. starts with knowing your personal background, your family, and your first jobs out of college. So knowing your story is a fundamental puzzle piece towards then taking a future step into stewardship. So today on this episode, I want to start talking about what it looks like to unpack your story a little bit. Erica, some of my most favorite questions to ask clients in a financial planning meeting are things like this. First, where'd you grow up and what was money like in your home growing up? Hmm. Second question is things like, what did your parents do for their work? And, and, And I'll piggyback on that. How often did your parents talk about money when you grew up? Was that a conversation? Maybe they shared a little bit about budget or when things were tight, or did they just ignore it altogether and money just fell out of the sky, right? You know, another question that's really interesting, it can be revealing. There's no right or wrong answer to it, but it's just an open-ended question to say something like, money gives me blank. Money gives me blank. How would you fill in that? You know, what if if we rest on that for a second, is there a, a phrase or a word that comes to your mind. 
Erica, has, has anybody asked you these types of questions before? Gosh, those are such great questions. And to be honest, not this specific, but man, yeah. I have all the answers in my head though, for sure. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the fun part too, is that there's, there's no real like homework that's required right. in this. It just comes naturally. People can just close their eyes. They can think about their own story. And if I can, Eric, I want to make a plug. This is the uniqueness of having really good financial planning conversations. Right. And I think most investors don't realize that you can take it to this level with your financial advisor, frankly, because not all advisors want to go or know they can go this deep. But I feel really passionate, the clients that I get to work with, that this I'm in a unique role because I am talking about money to take a step back and ask people about you know, what's behind the scenes and ask them about their story. And mm -hmm. what I'm hopefully trying to get from that is that people start thinking about what are those deep seated beliefs that I have that might even be just subconscious. And right. as soon as you start to unpack that and air it out, that gives you now a chance to say, okay, well, I'm going to move forward from that. Maybe I'm going to mm. keep going in that direction, or maybe I'm going to move away from it. And it's, it, you know, the analogy that I think about is, let's say with food, you know, if, if someone's going to try, I know this in my own life, like actually earlier this year, new classic, classic new year's resolution. I wanted to change some of my eating habits, but I didn't change any of my routine. <laughs> and yeah. I, and I ended up getting injured this year from a skiing accident. And so I kind of got really stressed out and bummed out from that. So guess how well my new diet worked out this year. How well? <laughs> really bad, right? Because right. I didn't I didn't I didn't change anything else about, you know, my stress level or my environment. And mm. so obviously the diet so the sa same thing here when we're talking about stewardship. Let's address right. our environment and then go forward from that. So maybe with with some of the rest of the time that we have today, Erica, I'd actually like to turn it to you. Maybe you if mm. you'd be open to this, I don't know. It, maybe you can share with the audience like tell us about where you grew up. What was money like in your home? And then right. we can start to hear what your sort of subconscious belief systems were. Ooh, I love that. All right. So as a young girl, I was always taught, okay, Erica, you work hard, you earn money. Every dollar counts. You know, my parents always took simple vacations. We went to the same place every summer. We went to simple restaurants and some summer camps here and there, but we were never extravagant with how we grew up. I will say my parents always had more than enough. We just never found the need to overspend if it wasn't necessary. So I would say, you know, my relationship with money back when I was a young kid was fairly healthy. As time goes on, you get jobs and responsibility and over time due to just a few different circumstances in my life, I would honestly say money shifted from a fairly good and healthy thing to an ultimate fear. And I would say I really thought of fear of losing it all. My hmm. fear became a reality. And there was a time in my life I just didn't have much. Okay. Um, I was a very young girl at this time, you know, like everyone sort of struggling to pay their bills. But I was at a loss more so mentally because I was so bondage to money being the only thing that could really save me. I would think mm. all the time, you know, maybe I could be that get rich quick schemes or mm. I'm going to buy that lottery ticket and I'm going to be that one winner. And the sentence I kept repeating to myself is if only I had this amount, mm. then I would be secure. Mm. And Very I feel like money became far less at security but it actually turned into that control okay. that I was seeking. You know, mm. I needed to be in control of something that I could tangibly see. Mm, mm, mm. That makes total and, sense. Yeah. And, you know, the aftermath of all that anxiety that I built up in my head of never having enough or fearing that it would be gone someday, 
I kept asking myself that question, like, okay, so what if, what if I have to give all my money away and what happens if I go down to zero? And Mm. so going back to your filling in the blank, like money became my security, right? But when I started fearing of losing it, it now becomes Mm. unsafe. It now, I now feel out of control and security feels even more insecure. Mm. And it became such an idol I was holding on to. Mm. And the thought of losing a grip on my money was debilitating. And instead of it becoming more of a freedom for me, it became an ultimate dependence. And guess what took over my dependence on God was money. And you're not going to believe me when I tell you this, John, but I was that person that counted every cent. So if I got a refund, I would double, triple check that my refund came through. Mm. If I, you know, lend someone money, I would make sure that they paid me back to the dollar. Yeah. Or, you know, if I went to a restaurant, I never told anyone this, but I would always order the least expensive thing on the menu Yeah. and talk about, you know, if I wanted to order a soda, that wasn't even an option. It Mm. was water only. Mm. And you know, I would never buy luxury stuff for myself. And the only way that I would get anything new was if I can go to a thrift store and sell my clothes and get store credit. And gosh, doesn't that sound like bondage? Like it sounds (laughs) like I'm just constantly thinking about how can I hold on to what I have left? Mm, And, and it was out of that fear. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, and thinking about my relationship with money, like no one really trained me to think this way. This was just my self-worth, you know, being defined over time. And even now, now that I'm, you know, 35 years old, my sweet husband gives me a self-care budget. And even now to this day, it hardly gets touched because I don't know how to spend money on myself and I'm getting better. Like I just got my nails done and, you know, I I'm trying to utilize money for myself as this, like, you know, it's okay to earn money and have it be a luxury. But I just felt like back in the day, man, my, my self-worth was depleting, Mm, you know? uh, Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. That's real. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the, the toughest question that I kept asking myself was, in the time where I was really feeling like the only thing that could save me was money, I started questioning my faith, right? Of, um, will God be faithful even when my faith is weak? Interesting. Or has my lack of faith actually left me completely alone? Mm, And, you know, was God truly with me, you know, in this time of bondage to tie to money? Mm. And it's just thinking back on that time, like that was a really dark place for me. But then, you know, I, I heard this lady at church speak on okay. the Lord's prayer. Okay. And I don't know if you were this way, but you know, when you hear something and then all of a sudden someone says it, the, ex- the exact same thing, but you hear it in a different way, uh, right? Yes, I love You're like, that. wow, I actually heard that differently this time. Right. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. So she was talking about the Lord's prayer and okay. she was just talking about, you know, there's, there's so many elements to the Lord's prayer. There's seven specific elements, but she okay. only tied, she wanted to talk about the first five. Okay. And she made a point to say the order of the Lord's prayer is super important. Yeah, totally. So she said, you know, our father who art in heaven, God is my father. I'm part of his great family. Hallowed be thy name. Okay. God, you asked me to purify myself, cleanse myself, and I'm striving to be holy because your name is holy. Hmm. Um, thy kingdom come. Well, we are first to seek God's kingdom yes. and transform our old self into the new, yeah. right? The fourth element, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. All right, God, your will, not mine. 
And so she said, you know, once you understand those first four elements, everything else after that uh, should, should kind of change mm, how you pray. Yes. So God, if you're yeah. sovereign and I actually believe you're in control, that should actually change the way that I pray of God, yeah. your will be done, not mine. Yes. God, you're yeah. in control, not me. I am part of your great family. And all those truths should and will affect my daily needs. Mm. So when I ask for my daily needs, then I say, God, my daily needs are now different, you know? Mm. Mm. And because my daily needs are really surrendering to what you actually feel is best for me. Mm. And even if it means staying in the circumstances that I'm in, feeling like I don't have enough, God doesn't guarantee me that he's going to just put that money in my bank account. Just helicopter money, just right? drop it in, right? No, or he doesn't. he's not going to give me that winning lottery ticket that I'm craving, or yeah. he's not going to, you know, let me see that get rich, you know, quick scheme. But it actually reminds me of when Jesus was in the garden and okay. he was praying, right? He said, God, is there any other way, you know, yeah. right before his crucifixion, oh, he said, is there imagine. anything different that could happen that I don't have to go through all this pain? And God's response was, Jesus, my son, I'm not going to change your circumstances, but what I will promise you is that I will be with you. Yeah. And in your anxiety, I'm still there. And awesome. to go back to my, the question that I asked myself, God, will you be with me even when my faith is weak? Yes. And Jesus says, I will be with you even when your faith is weak, when your what ifs are clouding your mind, just like he responded to Jesus. He says, I will still be with you. Someone once told me, don't let the cross be for naught, right? Jesus mm. died for your burdens. Yeah. And so when I think about that, if I actually believe that by giving my burdens to the cross, then if I believe that God's sovereign, then he is going to provide everything that I need. And I understood money more because I understood the source that it's coming from. Mm. And just like a tree can't be planted without a seed, I can't let go of my security and money unless I have my security in God. Mm, mm, and mm. it kind of ties into the God owns it all, right? Mm, so mm. every bit of my money comes from him alone. Mm, mm. It's, Erica, it's so fun for me to be able to hear this because you're speaking total truth right now. It's mm. not necessarily that God's going to change your circumstances. And I right. think something that can be confusing is sometimes he can bless us with material money and wealth. And, right. and sometimes that's not the right thing for the situation. But in either way, we should just be asking your will be done. And he's yeah. going to be with you, whether or not you're going through a challenging season or not. And right. I just think that's in, in, incredibly important to mm -hmm. just say to ourselves, because it's easy for me to forget that. Right. <laughs> and I know that it's easy for all of us to forget that with just what happens in the world. So I'm yeah. curious, Erica, how does it feel to be able to talk a little bit just about your story, what, what you just shared? Yeah. Right now? What are you feeling? You know, it's, it's a gift to be transparent with people. And mm. I used to feel a little ashamed of my story of yeah. man, like money has always been such an idol of mine and it doesn't make me look necessarily good, right. To, to be able to rehash those old feelings. Okay. But I think the power in tying back to what we said of God wrote my story. Yeah. And so for me to be ashamed of the story that he wrote, I, I, I can't feel that way. And it's, it's a gift I think people can give, but it definitely brings up some stuff. And I will say like, I'm not fully healed. It's a, it's yeah. a full on process. You know, yeah. I still see that self-care budget in my budget every month. And I still sometimes think, what do I do with that? 
Yeah, that's so interesting. So um, I think I want to acknowledge another thing too, because I think there's also a risk when people, even when I earlier in this episode was talking about shifting away from fear and greed towards stewardship, this is, this is so not going to be an immediate change. Right. And, and we, and we we're never going to leave that a hundred percent completely. So mm -hmm. this is going to be inch by inch, day by day, moving on a spectrum. And right. every day we can just ask for more peace and to lean into God and his promises to us. And over time, we would hope that that eventually changes our, you know, our hearts, but uh, it takes time. And so I think yeah. it's good for, for you to acknowledge that. I have to acknowledge that too. Well, something else that I want to build on, Erica, thank you again for sharing sure, this. I think sure, there's, sure. there's so many, I can, I can think of countless stories of people that I've talked to that have shared something similar to the things that you've said. And I think it's, people can probably really resonate with a few of the aspects of your story. You know, one of the things that I want to build on this conversation next is, you know, we started talking about okay, implications of stewardship in our last episode. Today, we're starting with the first puzzle piece is knowing your story. Something that is a, a critical part of this too, Erica, is, you know, thinking about the word habits and just making the stewardship more of a habit mentality and taking away from a goal. You know, in pop culture, there's this really popular book called Atomic Habit that was written a few years ago by a gentleman named James Clear. And I just love this book because it talked about the power that habits can have over our lives. And, you know, just like an easy example of this is in sports, everyone has a goal of winning a championship but only one team ever wins a championship. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we can say that the, the, the reason for them winning the championship is because they probably had better habits. Maybe they had a, a better workout regimen or they had better training or they had better coaching or diets or things like that. So the fun takeaway from that is focusing less on the goal, which is winning the championship, or maybe in today's conversation, that is the goal of stewardship, and rather change it to a habit-based mentality. And so Ron Blue, who's the founder of Kingdom Advisors and the Ronald Blue and Company is a guy that I really look up to. Ron Blue talks about the way that we can think about changing our habits and stewardship is this process called no believe and do no believe and do. And it's really kind of, it's a spectrum that we would walk. So first of all, we have to chew on God's word so that we actually know it. And, and to your story earlier, when you started the words that you were saying to yourself about kind of this fear and security and control, the only way that we're going to change what we do is to start introducing new words into our heads. We need to right. know something different, which means reading God's word. Mm -hmm. And then we have to kind of go through a process of believing it. And that could take mm -hmm. sometimes a long time. And then finally, that might produce some different changes in our behavior, which will be different habits. Right. And so I just want to be able to share for this audience. It's, it's important to think about what you're filling your head, what you know, and then mm -hmm. later thinking about, I, you know, I believe that's just a different path for me. Right. And then that'll later finally produce different habits and different right. behaviors and different outcomes. So it's yeah. an important thing to consider. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And, you know, I think there is something beautiful about knowing your story, but for me, particularly when I'm thinking about money in my past, it's important for me to be emotionally healthy about it too, and be able to say, I know money was an idol of mine, not anymore. So yeah. on my forehead now, yeah. money's not my idol. Mm -hmm. um, money is now my freedom. Or to your point, you think it, believe it. And yep. now 
make those changes in your behavior. Like you were saying, it's important to not stay there. And that's being emotionally healthy about knowing your past and being able to say, I'm not that person that I once was. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Well, this is good because we're, we're talking about our story. We're talking about the way that we can change our future behavior with stewardship is through a process of changing our habits and going through the spectrum of no believe and do. So we should build off of this, Erica, and start talking about once we start looking towards the future of what our future stewardship is, the next thing that I really want to get to is asking the question, something along the lines of how much is enough? How much is enough? Because as we're, as we're now, we, we looked back in our story and as we turn the corner and we start to look forward, one of the questions that we have to start answering and, and asking, really praying about is asking ourselves, how much is enough? How much is enough for my family? How much do I want to accumulate to? Because that's really going to be the only way that we can actually truly experience a sense of financial independence or financial freedom, because uh, giving is going to help break the power of money. And so when we start to say, okay, this is the amount that I think is right for my family in this season of life and everything above that, that can go back towards other giving opportunities just in my local community or other charities or whatever that is. And so if you'll join us, Erica, maybe in a couple of weeks, we can start talking about answering the question, how much is enough? Oh, I love that. I'd love to be a part of that. All right, Erica. Well, thanks so much again for talking about your story. I appreciate you opening up and being vulnerable too. That takes some guts. And my sense is that the audience really appreciate it too, because there's going to be parts of this that they can identify with. And it's going to start to encourage them to think about critically what their story has been, because really, we just want to keep talking about this process of stewardship. So next week, let's start talking about tackling the question or asking ourselves, how much is enough? So thanks again for being here. And we'll see you back again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.